Let me ask you a question. Do any of you have a friend that is constantly asking you to go and do things with them? I had a friend like that when I was growing up that I hung out with. He was my best friend in middle school. His name was James Poole. That kid can make me laugh harder than probably any person I've ever met in my entire life besides my wife. But James was like, James was like stupid funny. He was one of those kids that would hurt himself and I would laugh at him. My wife is unexpectedly funny. Like she'll say things I don't expect her to say and that's what makes me laugh. That's what I mean. It's not like I don't expect her to be funny. I do. It's just like she'll, she'll say things in the moment that I wasn't expecting and it's like really funny. Anyways, back to James. James constantly asked me to go do things with him. It was a weekly routine. Every Friday he would call me and be like, hey man, what are we going to do this weekend? Or if I didn't answer the phone, because before cell phones I had my own private phone line in my bedroom, my own phone number. It was great. I had my own cordless phone. It was dope. He would call me, and if I didn't answer Friday night, he would call me again Saturday morning, early, like early, early. And if I didn't answer then, he would come to my house, and he would pound on my window. Would not go to the front door like a normal human being. He would pound on my window and go, Aaron, get up. I'm just saying, it's 8 in the morning. I'm not letting him in my house unsupervised. Are you crazy? It's 8 in the morning on a Saturday, waking up my neighbors so that I will come outside. Like, it was ridiculous. But he did, we, and, we, and we did everything together. I mean, we would ride our bikes all over the place, across town to go see our buddy Nick. We would make trails in the woods in, in the, uh, behind my house. We would eat ice cream together, play video. I'm like, literally everything we did together. It became such a habit that my dad actually nicknamed him Shadow because every time he saw him, he was following me, right? That was James, constantly asking me to go and do something. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Just like my friend James always wanted me to go and do something with him, God wants us to go and do something with him. This is our last general call that we're going to talk about. What's a general call? It's a call for everybody. It's the last one that we're going to talk about. A call for everybody in general, specifically Christians. Matter of fact, this one is, is just for Christians, okay? If you are in this room and you are a Christian, you have put your faith in Jesus to be saved from your sin and be brought back into a relationship with Him, God is calling you to go and do something with Him. And that something is to go and make disciples. That's your first blank. We're all called to go and make disciples. We're all called to go and make disciples with God. But just like we've done every week, we have to know exactly what it is we're being called to do and we need to know what a disciple is in order for that to happen right because some of you have heard the term disciple some of you haven't some of you know what a disciple is some of you don't so we're going to solve all that right now and make sure and get everybody on the same page and we're going to start by turning to the page in our bible that has matthew chapter 28 verse 18 on it we're going to talk about what a disciple is so matthew chapter 28 Verse 18. If you don't have a Bible that you can call your own and you want one, let me know. I'll get you one for free. Um, the verses and stuff will be on the screen so that you can follow along. But if you do have a Bible, Matthew 28, verse 18. Okay? 
This is what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission, okay? It's what we call the Great Commission. If you've been around church for any length of time, you know what the Great Commission is. If you haven't been around church for any length of time, this is what we call the Great Commission, and this is what it is. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, okay? And again, Jesus makes it super clear what he wants. It's verbatim what God is calling us to do. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. But who is he telling to go and make disciples? This isn't rhetorical. Kenji says, Christians, she gave me the double thumbs. Who has thumbs and is to go and make disciples? This girl. No. You're wrong. What does verse 18 says? Look at, no, it says Jesus came to his disciples. Yeah. Jesus says, to his disciples, go and make disciples. He says, hey, you, go and make more of yous. That's literally what he's saying, okay? It's like me telling Woody that he needs to go make more Woody's, okay? Now, that doesn't mean what you think it means, so stop it. High schoolers, junior high kids didn't even do that. How dare you? But no, it'd be like you, Hayden, go make more people be Hayden. Talk like you. Walk like you, dress like you. I mean, they need to be indistinguishable from you in every way except their physical appearance, like their face and all that stuff, right? Like that's, that's what it means is to, to make a disciple, right? It means to replicate or to make a copy, which is where we get the term disciple from. We get the term disciple from making a copy, okay? Because Jesus wasn't the first person to ever have disciples. If you read in the Gospels, we find out that John the Baptist, who was just a little bit older than Jesus, had disciples before Jesus did. And the Jewish rabbis of that time, the Jewish teachers, the religious leaders of that time, had disciples before either one of them did. It's a tradition in that culture to have a religious teacher and disciples, okay? People that he was making copies of himself with. That's what a disciple was. It's an exact copy of the person that was teaching them. And it was an intense system of follow the leader, okay? Because legitimately, that disciple would follow his rabbi around so closely, I'm talking so closely, that he wanted the dust of his rabbi's sandals when he walked to fall on him. That's close. Like, you ever been walking behind somebody and you get out of step and you flat tire and you pull the shoe off? Ever done that? That's what they wanted to do. In my opinion, that's the most annoying thing ever. But, but that's how close they wanted to be to their disciple. And it wasn't just walk like he walked, go where he goes. It was literally dress like he dresses. When he talked, what you would do is they would, they would take on the same dialect. So he would, they would try and match pitch and tone and, and talk, not just like use the words that he used, but talk exactly like that person. When they sat down to eat, they would eat just like that person. They were trying to become an exact copy of who that rabbi was. 
But that rabbi, if you think about it, was really just a copy of another rabbi, right? Because that rabbi had to go through that same system before he was a rabbi. And the rabbi before him had to do that, the rabbi before him, all the way down to the original rabbi that started that way of teaching, that way of living, right? And that is what a disciple is. It's not an exact copy of one person to another, but it's an exact copy of the original rabbi all the way down through all the other rabbis who follow. And that is why it's so important that Jesus is telling his disciples to go make copies of themselves because they are actually copies of Jesus. And so when we say go and make disciples, what we're saying a disciple is is an exact copy of Jesus. That's your next blank. A disciple is an exact copy of Jesus. Which is why we say that we follow Jesus. Because we are supposed to follow Jesus just like a real disciple did. We're supposed to follow him that closely. We're supposed to imitate Jesus. Paul says that in one of his letters. He says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. You, I am your rabbi. You imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's what we are supposed to do. And we are supposed to make exact copies of ourselves. Okay? But now the question we have to ask is, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to do that? Because there are lots of reasons in the Bible to be a disciple. Genesis tells us that we were created to be with God. We were created to have a relationship with Him. John 10.10 says that through being a disciple of Jesus, we get to experience life and we get to experience it to the full. Paul, in all of his letters, talks about this great inheritance that we receive. And that's not just heaven. That's all of Jesus' blessings. That's His guidance. That's His wisdom. That's everything that He... It's His best for us in this life. There's lots of reasons that the Bible gives us to personally be disciples of Jesus. They're all wonderful reasons, but it also gives us lots of reasons to want to make other disciples, which is where it gets really scary, right? Because it's fine if we want to be a disciple. That's a personal thing. That's We're working on our personal relationship with Jesus. We can do that kind of in private. We don't have to let all the messy parts out in front of people, but when it comes to making an exact copy, that's where it gets nerve-wracking. That's where it gets a little bit scary because now we're having to, to, to take all of that and, and do it with someone else, right? So why would we want to make a disciple? The Bible gives us lots of reasons why we should want to, but I'm going to highlight three. Your first one is, it's a command. We should want to make a disciple because it's a command. Again, if we love Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments, right? Number one, it's a command. Matthew 28 makes that extremely clear. Go and make disciples. Non-negotiable. Go and do this, right? But this is Jesus renewing Another command that's given to us in Genesis. It's the first great commission. Does anybody know what it is? Be fruitful and multiply. That is the first great commission. Jesus is renewing that command. You see what Jesus or what God does in Genesis is he makes two people who's supposed to have a relationship with him, right? Right. But then what happens? They sin. They don't have a relationship with him. When he made those two people to have a relationship with him, before they sinned, he said, I want you to make other people to have a relationship with me. Be fruitful and multiply, right? But they sin, and so everybody that they made after that sin does not have a relationship with him. So Jesus is renewing that command. Be fruitful and multiply. 
Do you have a relationship with God? Make others have a relationship with God. That's been God's plan from the very beginning. From day one, have a relationship with Him. Be fruitful and multiply. Make others to have a relationship with Him. Jesus renews that. He fixes that part that we broke and we messed up, right, with this command. So it is a command that we be fruitful and multiply. We be obedient to God's original command. Second, if we don't want to make disciples, if we don't want to make disciples, people will perish. That's your next blank. People will perish. If you're in Matthew, we're going to head, keep your finger there. But we're going to go to John chapter 3. We're going to go back to Matthew 28. But we're going to jump to John chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 16, most famous verse in the entire Bible. People that don't even read the Bible, don't even have anything to do with God, know this verse, right? Like, I, I don't even have to read it. I bet you don't even have to read it to know what it says. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everybody who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We all know that verse, right? We all love that verse, right? It is a great verse legitimately a great verse. Doug asked us the other day as a staff, he said, if you, had, if you had to pick one verse to share the gospel, what would it be? I said, I know it's cliche, but it's John 3.16. Because that, I mean, every, that, everything's there. Everything is right there. For God so loved the world. For God loved the world this way. God loves you. God loved the world. And you were made to experience that love. You were made to have that love in your life. You were made to have a relationship with Him. So that whoever believes in Him, if you don't believe in Him, you're separated by sin. You walk through that, has eternal life if they put their faith in it. That, 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 that's everything that you need right there in one verse. It is a great verse. I absolutely love that verse. But that verse gives us a cold, hard truth that we don't hardly ever talk about or, or really realize. Okay, so I'm going to give you some ice right now. It's my new term for cold, hard truth. Get it? It says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, which is what we love, right? But if it says you shall not perish, it also means that there is a chance that you can. Great for those who shall not perish. Not great for those who shall. Right? And I remember being your age, I remember hearing that verse and, and, and kind of realizing that. Like, wow, there are some that are going to perish. Who, there are some who don't know Jesus who, who just aren't going to make it. They're going to go to hell because of their sin. And, and that, when I had that thought, it, it, it just for some reason I, I pictured someone in a faraway country who didn't speak my language, who had never heard of God or the Bible. Like, that, that's, that, that's who that happens to, right? Those are the ones who perish. And I think that's what most of us think. Like, we, we see that. And we're like, oh, man, that's so good. And, and yes, people perish because of their sin. But I, I don't know any of those people. False. You absolutely 100% do. Th th those people, the, the people that will perish that we're talking about, are people that you go to school with every single day. They're people that you sit in class with. They're people that you are on teams with. They're people that you sit across the lunch table from. They're people that you live with. They're your brothers and your sisters and your parents. 
And if they do not have a relationship with Jesus, I'm talking a real relationship with Jesus, not just they believe that he exists and and they believe that he's God and they believe there's, I'm talking having a real daily relationship with him. If they do not have that, they will perish. And we should not want that to happen. So we should want to make them a disciple, right? Here's number three. If we don't want to make disciples, people will pursue wrong things. That's your next blank. We don't want to make disciples. People will pursue wrong things. If we're in John, we're going to back up one more book to Luke. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Anybody ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? That's right. If you've been around church for any little period of time, you've heard of Zacchaeus. You sang the song. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Right? We all know that. So what's happening in the story of Zacchaeus is that, that's not often talked about is Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Okay? When Jesus meets Zacchaeus in the tree, he's walking along, he sees him, he says, Zacchaeus, I need to hang out with you. People get upset because Jesus wants to hang out with Zacchaeus. Why are they upset? Because he's a tax collector. He is a Jew who has turned his back on his friends and his family and the rest of his Jewish nations to take money from them so that he will be safe from the Romans who have come in and invaded and taken control of the area and who treat the Jews very, very poorly. So basically what he says is he says, forget all you people that love me and that I've grown up with my entire life. I'm going to serve them because they can hurt me. And so people do not like him at all. And the reason that he did that is because Zacchaeus has a problem with greed. See, money is his God. He believes money is what's going to save him. That's why he was able to turn his back on so many people is because he thought, if I have money and I take money from others and give it to the Romans, I am safe. If I have enough money in this life, I will have a good life and I won't have anything else to worry about. That is his problem, right? But look at what happens when he meets Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. When Zacchaeus meets Jesus, he immediately confesses his sin and turns away from it. I have been a sinner. I've taken money from people, but I'm going to give it all back and I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus gets super hype about this. He says, this is why I'm here. He says, salvation has come to this home today, and I have come to seek and to save the lost. See, he tells us something about Zacchaeus that's very important, that before that moment, Zacchaeus was lost, meaning he had no direction in his life. He had no purpose in his life. He had no meaning for his life. He was trying to fill it with things to give it that, but it wasn't quite working. He was lost lost and if he had never met jesus he would have stayed that way he would have stayed wasting his life allowing money to be his savior and pursuing that and i think just as tragic as people perishing because they don't know jesus is people wasting their life making things their god besides jesus 
again, you, you are around people every day. You live with people. You go to school with people who are making different things their God to heal their hurts, to make up for where they think they lack, to give them comfort, to, to give them some kind of value, to make themselves feel important. All of these things, they waste their life trying to gain these things. Hoping these things will save them from the things that they're running from, the things that they're dealing with. And in the end, they get nothing for it. There's nothing that they can hold up in front of God and go, look what I did. And him go, come on in. He'll go, why did you waste so much time with that when I was right here? We should want to make disciples. So that the people that we know and love don't have to deal with that. So they don't have an empty life that leads to an empty eternity. And so now the question is, well, okay, so how do we do that? If we, if we want to make disciples, okay, on top of the, all the reasons that we have right now, the three reasons, which is it's a command. If we love Jesus, we obey his commands. We don't want the people that we love to perish. We don't want the people that we love to waste their life on wrong things. How do we make disciples? Go back to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus gives us three ways that we make disciples. Matthew 28, we're going to look at verse 18. I got to do this super quick. Here we go. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus gives us three ways. The first way he gives us is go. That's your next blank. Go. G-O, go. And again, I think when we hear this, when we hear that go, we think of like a missionary. Who knows what a missionary is? David, what's a missionary? Someone who goes around the world preaching God's word, mainly to foreign countries, right? Where there's not a lot of church, where there's not a lot of Bible, right? That's what we think. Okay, if I'm going to go, I got to go to a foreign country where it, people look different than me and things smell different than me and food is way different than anything that I'm used to eating. Like that's what we think. And we think that like that's terrifying. We have to leave everything that we know and go to a place that we have no idea about and and share the gospel, right? And listen, some people are called to do that, but that's not what this go right here means. The go that is used right here is a Greek word that means as you go. It basically means daily routine. So what Jesus is telling his disciples is, look, as you go about your day, make disciples. And if you look exactly after this, like this is where Jesus he gives this command and then he goes back into heaven and then you jump to Acts and continue the story. In Acts, they don't go. In Acts, they stay and pray, right? That's what they do. But that's because that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, scatter about into all these foreign places and preach. He's saying, no, I want you to, as you go throughout your daily routine, I want you to be making disciples. So as you go out throughout your daily routine, you hear me say it all the time, in class, on your sports teams, at home, because that is where you are. If you're wondering, where am I called to go, God? If you think that at any point during the day, look down, and the ground beneath your feet, that is where you are called to go. Go and make disciples. The way to make a disciple is 
They first have to do what you did, which is believe. You guys in your small group talked about how you came to faith in Jesus, talked about the gospel, talked about what it was. Who knows? Who can tell me what the gospel is? The story of Jesus. What is the story of Jesus, Hayden? Right. Exactly. That's the gospel. The gospel is a Greek word that means good news. And the good news that we share in the gospel is that we are made for a relationship with God, but our sin separates us from Him. But He loved us enough and sent His Son Jesus to die for our sins and rise again so that if we put our faith in Him, our sin is completely erased and our relationship with Him is restored and we get an eternity with Him in heaven and a life that we've always longed for. That is the good news. And that is what we are called to share on a daily basis as we go throughout our day. Does anybody do that? Me either. We are called to that. We are called to that. Okay? And what I want to do right now in the few minutes that I have is make it super simple to do because the hardest part is starting a conversation, right? The hardest part about sharing the gospel is starting a conversation. What do I say? You know, we're always looking for an opportunity, but you don't always get one, right? Because even when you do have that moment, like that break in the conversation, it's not like you just want to jump in and be like, hey, so can I tell you about Jesus? That doesn't often happen, but you have to plan to do that. And the way that you plan to do that is to be prepared. I ask all of you to get your phones. I asked the leadership team before they got in here to download an app called Life in Six Words. This app makes it incredibly easy for you to share the gospel. It gives you everything you need. So go to your app store if you have a cell phone. If not, turn over your paper, write all this down. We're going to breeze right through it, okay? It's super quick. It's called Life in Six Words. It's developed by a guy I really like. His name is Greg Steer. He's got Dare to Share Ministries, and his whole ministry is about teaching students how to share the gospel, okay? Life in Six Words. What I love about it is when you open up Life in Six Words, is it's gonna, it's got like your cause circle and stuff. You can learn about that in the app. That's not what we're looking at. But go to the hamburger menu up in the top left corner. It opens up and it says share. So second one below home. We're going to wait about 30 more seconds for apps to finish downloading. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through it, and when you get home later, you can play with it, okay? Because here's what happens. You go up to the top left. You open your hamburger menu. It says home. Under home, it says share. That doesn't mean share the app. That means share your faith. So you click on it, and it gives you three options, quick starters. It's one of my favorite. It, it's, here's what you need to say to start a gospel conversation. One of my favorite ones to use is, hey, what do you think about God? What do you think about the Bible? It's easiest to do on Thursdays and Mondays, right? Because when you're seeing your friend and they're like, hey, what did you do yesterday? And they're like, oh, I did this. And they go, well, what did you do yesterday? You go, I went to church. And they go, oh, that's great. And you go, yeah, I've been meaning to ask you, though, what do you think about all that? What do you think about church? What do you think about God? What do you think about the Bible? And you are, boom, you're, you're there. See how simple that was? You planned for that. You made it happen, right? You can do it on the same thing on Monday. What did you do over the weekend? Well, Sunday we went to church. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about church. You know, what do you think about all that? And then you listen to them, and then you begin to share the gospel with them. There's a lot of them there. There's even a share video. So you can watch that share video and go, hey, this is exactly how to share the gospel. We'll do both of those things. But then down at the bottom, it says share gospel. Couldn't be any more clear. You click that. And then, so, okay, they tell you about God, what they think about God. They tell you about what they think about church and the Bible and all that. And you're like, oh, okay. That's really, really interesting. I, I appreciate you sharing all that with me. Let me ask you this, though. If you had to, de to, to 
define your life in six words. If you, if you had to pick six words that describe your life, what would they be? And it gives you all these words, right? And I'm just going to pretend I'm a teenager, uh, and I'm going to pick these words, right? First thing that a teenager is going to pick is relationships. Boom. I don't know what life you live, but that's not on mine. I'm going to pick relationships first because I'm a boy and I'm girl crazy because I'm in high school, right? Relationships. I also don't like all the rules and things that my teachers and my parents give me, so I'm going to click freedom. I want freedom, right? Uh, I like fun, so I'm going to click fun. Um, I also I'm, I like happiness. I want my life to be happy. I like going on adventures, and I really love my family. That's six words, right? They pick whatever six words they want, and you go, that's interesting that you would describe your life that way. Can I tell you about how God would describe your life in six words? God says this. First word, God created us to be with him. You hear me say that personally all the time. God, God, the sole reason we all exist is to have a relationship with God. One of my favorite pastors says, the only reason we are here is to know God and enjoy him forever. That is it. There's a, I mean, we make fun of junior high kids and high school kids wanting to be in a relationship, but none of that changes. College kids want to be in a relationship. Some people show up hoping to get engaged in the first couple months. It's even worse at a Baptist college, you only get two weeks. And then past that, everything is about relationship. If I can just find somebody to love me, God says, you were made to love me. I was made to love you. God created us to be with him. And then you click the Bible down there in the bottom left corner, and it gives us the verses. It says, see, the Bible says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Second word it would give us is, our sins separate us from God. There's sin in your life. Do you think that you're a good person? Probably, right? But have you ever done anything bad? Have you ever told a lie to your parents? Have you ever stolen something from somebody? God would say that that is sin, and that sin separates you from God. That's why you don't have a relationship. As a matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, I, I, I haven't done that stuff in a long time, so obviously I've done enough good to make up for that, right? No. Second word, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. This is the third word. There's not enough good in the world that you can do to make up for your sin and be made right with God. Because the Bible tells us here, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our unrighteousness, all of our sinful acts are like filthy rags to him. I mean, that sounds like, well, okay, so what hope do I have to get out of that? Well, I'm glad you asked. The fourth word is paying. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. See, the only way that you can have your sin erased and be brought into the relationship with God that you were made to have is to put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you put your faith in Jesus... Just like John 3.16 says, you have eternal life. Your relationship with God is restored. Your sin is erased. And everyone who trusts in Jesus has eternal life forever. Because the Bible says God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that life with Jesus starts now and lasts for forever. Because the Bible says now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that is the gospel. God, our sins, paying every one life. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that your sin separates you from God, that you were made to have a relationship with him? And the only way to have your sin forgiven and have that relationship restored is to put your faith in Jesus. Yes, absolutely. I believe that. Great. Well, I'm just going to tap. I'm ready. The Bible tells us that our heart and soul become transformed and a prayer is the best way to express that newfound faith. And so it tells you, gives you a little prayer. Let me pray this prayer with you so that we can remember this moment that you gave your life to Jesus, that you were saved and brought back into a relationship with him. And just like that, you have gone and made a disciple, taken the first step in making a disciple, which is get them to put their faith in Jesus. But that's not where you leave them. Because the second thing Jesus says is he says, go and make disciples, baptize, baptizing them. That's your next word, baptize. Yes, they're on the paper. This is my wedding ring. Wear my wedding ring every day. My wedding ring is there for one reason and one reason only, to remind me and everybody else that I made a commitment to somebody for the rest of my life, right? Baptism is our spiritual wedding ring. The Bible says that we, when we come into the church, when we give our life to Jesus, we become part of his bride, the body of Christ, right? And baptism is a way that we do that. It's a way that we make our, we show people that we've made a commitment to follow Jesus for the rest of our life. And so what you do with that person, once you walk them through putting their faith in Jesus, you go, okay, it's now, now it's time for you to get baptized. Now it's time for you to let everyone else know. Now it's time for you to become a part of a body who can show you how to have a relationship with him, right? And so it's about getting them to get baptized. And funny enough, we baptize people here, right? I love baptizing people. That's one of my favorite things to do. So when we're finished showing them how to put their faith in Jesus, we show them how to make that faith known. And we, that is through baptism. And listen, I'll make this commitment to you. If you do this, go and share your faith Share the gospel with someone, and they put their faith in Jesus. We'll do a bapti- we'll, we'll do a whole night of baptism celebration. Okay, a whole night about ba- we'll, we'll do food. We'll throw a big party. It'll be a big celebration. I'll, we'll, we'll pull out the baptistry, and I will let you baptize the friends that you lead to Jesus. Because you don't have to be a pastor to baptize somebody. Again, it baptize, baptism just shows that they put their faith in Jesus. You don't, have to, you don't have to go through everything that I've gone through to be a pastor to do that. You just have to be faithful and share your faith, right? Because that's a big thing that you've done. You, you are now bonded to that person for life. And what a better way to show that and celebrate that than through baptism. So listen, if between now and next Wednesday, that's seven days, that happens for you, let me know. Okay? We'll get a bunch of them together and we'll do a bat. Like, imagine, think about how cool that would be. You, your friends that are now a part of the family of God, that now have an eternity in heaven because of what you did, get to celebrate that together. What? Let's do it. But you've got to do this first. You've got to do this first. We'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll get a cow trough out there. I'll fill it with water. We'll do whatever we got to do. I'll go get a bathtub from the daggum junkyard and drag out there if we have to, okay? I'm just saying, you got to do this first, okay? You baptize them. Last thing is teach. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. That's the big thing. That is the big thing. Listen, 
Once you lead someone to put their faith in Jesus, once you lead them to, to be baptized and, and make that, that faith public, let everybody know about it, then you lead them to follow Jesus. Remember, we're making a copy. We're making a copy, and none of us are Xerox machines. It's going to take us a lot longer to make a copy than the printer we got in the front office. And that is because we have to teach them how to follow Jesus. And so like the Bible says, we throw our arm around them, we bear each other's burdens in love, and we show them what it means to follow Jesus. We bring them into a family of believers, bring them here into this place, or encourage them to go to someplace else and get plugged in so that they can also help lead them to follow Jesus, right? That is what we are called to do. That is what God wants us to do with Him. That's my favorite part of all this is it says that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. As we do this, we are not alone. And it is not us doing it. It is God working through us. That's what all this means for you. This isn't about what you can do. This isn't about your ability. This isn't about your ability to remember everything that you need to remember, to use all the right words, all that. It is about you being faithful to do what you are called to do and then watching what God will do with it. This is not about your ability to, to say the right things or answer all the questions or, or do everything the right way. This isn't about your power. This isn't even about me being able to do it right. It's just about you being willing, you being faithful to do what God has called you to do and then watching what He will do with it. That is the most beautiful thing about all this. You know you. You know your insecurities you know your failures, you know your flaws, you know every reason to disqualify yourself from doing this, from thinking that God should not use you to do this. And God goes, uh-uh, we're going to do this together. I'm going to use you as a tool because the Bible says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God to save sinners. Not our power, not your power, not my power, God's power to save sinners. All we have to do is be willing. We have to be willing to go and do and then just watch what God will do. That's your last blank. I will go and do and watch what God will do. I will go and do and watch what God will do. Listen, as we finish up, if you are a believer in this room, this is your mission. Chris and I have been watching a lot of Mission Impossible lately. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Okay? If you're a believer in this room, as you go, share the gospel. Share the gospel. And right now, what I want you to do on your paper is write down the person that you think God wants you to share the gospel with between now and next Wednesday. Maybe you need to think about it for a minute. Maybe you need to pray about it for a minute. What I'm going to ask is that you don't leave this room until you have a name on that piece of paper. Even after we pray, whatever, okay? One name. You go to that person and you share the gospel with them. Because what we're going to do in small group next week is we're going to talk about that. How did that go? 
Maybe they didn't accept Jesus, and it says, okay, I'm not ready, and it gives you some, and that app will give you, hey, if they don't accept Jesus at that moment, it tells you what to do after. Okay, we'll talk about that. What do we need help for? What? Okay, but put a name on that paper and commit to doing this. Commit to doing this. And just watch what God will do if you do that. If you're in this room and you're not a believer, you, you, need, you need Jesus. Plain and simple. You were made for a relationship with God. Your sin separates you from Him. And there's nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing that you can accomplish. No good, no amount of good you could ever pile up. No amount of status you could ever attain to hold up in front of God and go, look how great I am and Him accept you. Because all He cares about is your heart. All He cares about is having a relationship with you. And I beg you, Put your faith in Him so that you can have your sins forgiven. Have that relationship with Him. Get to spend eternity with Him and get the life that you are longing for. If that's what you want to do, before you leave, come find me. I would love to talk to you about that. You've seen the process, plain and simple. But that's what's going to lead you to what God wants for you. Okay, Everyone else. Go and make disciples. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for these students. I pray that you would instill them with a fire and a boldness to go and make disciples, God. That that, that person that they have written down, God, if, if no one has a person right now, God, just lay that, lay that on their heart right now. Give them a name. And do not let them be afraid, God. Because they're not alone. And it doesn't depend on them. It depends on you. The gospel is your power to save sinners. So just let them be willing. Don't let them worry about their ability. Let them worry about their availability, God. Just let them be willing to do it and watch what you can do through them. God, I pray that we have so many stories to celebrate next week that like Evan said, we get to at Epic Weekend. Get to have a big baptism celebration, God. If there's anyone in here who needs to put their faith in you, who needs a relationship with you tonight, God, don't let them leave until they do. I love you. Thank you for letting us be a part of this great plan of redemption. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. If you need to come talk to me, come see me. If not, we'll see you all next week. Later, Taters.